Welcome to another episode of Franklin Faith Forum. I'm Pandora Carlucci. Jay Horrigan and I are the co-hosts. Good morning, Jay. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Pandora. Thank you very much. Thank you for asking. And how is baseball in Franklin? Baseball <laughs> baseball is phenomenal. They have uh, the number one ranked team in the state, the varsity mm. program. They have not, at least as of yesterday, they had not lost a game all year. Uh, so they are having another great season. That's our most, uh, we're very fortunate to live in a community that uh, has tremendous high school sports. So if you want to enjoy a free admission game, that's the place to go, up to the high school. Well, it sounds great. It's nice to drive along past the high school on Oak Street. Sometimes you can, in the early evening, you can see the lights on over the various playing fields. It's a really nice And And that nice what thing. ended up, when they built the new school, that complex area up there where they have four fields is tremendous really came out nice it really so. did it really did so are, are we uh talking about baseball today? no actually okay. <laughs> we can ba- right? baseball just <laughs> came up because of happiness yeah and, and all things franklin but the purpose of the franklin faith forum is discuss current subjects through the lens of faith and to do so we are joined by rabbi tom alpert from temple at siam Pastor Jacob Yunker from the Franklin United Methodist Church, and Reverend Doreen Oten from the Franklin Federated Church. And I'm going to turn it over to them and allow them to give us a brief update on what is happening with their various congregations and uh, kind of what's new and what's going on. And I'm going to start with Pastor Jacob Yunker. The Franklin United Methodist Church is beginning the process of discernment of a capital campaign. And so as of the recording of this podcast, we are preparing for a congregational meeting uh, about that. By the time this airs, all our listeners should be able to go to our website to learn about some of the things we are considering and thinking about doing, both in terms of renovation of the church, but also restoration of some of the historic elements uh, that maybe have been lost uh, over the 150 years that our our church building has stood at 82 West Central Street. In addition to the capital campaign, as we move into the summer, we will be once again starting up our community cookouts. Those happen monthly. Uh, typically the last Saturday of each month. You'll be able to find all the information about when those cookouts are um, through flyers on our church website and also posts uh, on social media for those big public kind of stereotypically non-churchy events. We like to post them not only on our own uh, Facebook page and social media accounts, but also try and drive them out uh, to some of the community pages as well. So everyone really is invited to those. They are free, pretty good. You get a hot dog and a hamburger, bring a lawn chair and uh, or a picnic blanket. We sit in the grass, uh, kids play in the yard. It's a wonderful time of just fellowship and enjoying each other's company and hopefully meeting some new neighbors. So if you are in the area, I hope you will uh, consider joining us at one of those summer cookouts. 
The last thing I just want to mention in terms of worship, we move into our our summer series uh, in the month of June, which will be uh, stories of our faith, where we we read through together a children's Bible. We've been doing this for the last, actually every summer I've been in Franklin. And by my count, we have at least two more summers to go before we finish reading the children's Bible together. But it's a fun series where we look at the children's telling of the story and ask, why was that left out? Or why is the children's version told so different than maybe the way we read it in our traditional texts? So uh, worship is every Sunday at 10 a.m., including through the summer. It sounds like a full summer and one of learning and also, as you said, um, one of collegiality, the idea of having community cookouts once a month. I like that. You're right there, the way, the location of your church, you're adjacent to the historical museum. You have that wonderful front yard. You have those beautiful windows across the front of your church. You're in the heart of the downtown cultural district, so it's nice to do that and be so welcoming. Thank you for doing that for the community. It's just great. If I can move on to Rabbi Tom, you can tell us what's going on at Temple at Siam. Well, I, I first I'd like to say in response to Jay that, of course, baseball is an important part of religion. After all, it says in the Bible, in the big inning, God created the heaven and the earth. <laughs> It is. That is the beginning. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so we're having a busy and quite wonderful time at Temple at Saim. Um, so a few things are happening. One, we're moving into the holiday of Shavuot uh, weeks, uh, Christian Pentecost, but with very different. The two holidays are very different uh, flavors. So. One uh, tradition on Shavuot is the eating of dairy foods, and so this Saturday at 1 o'clock, we're having a program at the uh, Franklin Public Library, which for our for the littlest kids, uh, you know, anyone can come, uh, and uh, we're going to have uh, ice cream. So that seems appropriate. Uh, then Shavuot, it's so that when I say this Saturday, I forget the, forgot this is being recorded. That is Saturday, May 20th. Saturday, May 20th. Good. Uh, then on Thursday night, May 25th, our congregation is participating with several congregations in the Metro West area for uh, a program at Temple Israel in Natick uh, from 5.30 to 10 p.m., it's called a Tikkun Leil Shavuot. It's a traditional study session that, uh, if you're doing it really right traditionally, goes on all night. Uh, we will not be doing it all night, but we will have a uh, keynote speaker. We'll have uh, workshops. We'll have stories. We'll have food. Um, if you go on to the Temple at Hayim website, you can find out uh, how to register and join us. It's, it's really wonderful when all the congregations get together for this. On June 3rd, I believe it is the first Friday in June, uh, the temple will be hosting its annual Pride Shabbat. So uh, that will be, uh, and everyone's always welcome for that as well. So um, uh, we're excited about this. For the summer, there are several weeks I don't lead services, and we have congregants leading them, and that's always interesting to hear their take on things. So please join us for those as well. You know, again, I, I'm always... Uh 
so pleased. And Jay, I'd like to get your feedback on this. The um, outreach to the community to have the learning about the, the different faith holidays and especially the one coming up this Saturday uh, and through the public library. So again, in, in a location downtown, central, cultural, and it helps us all to learn more about one another and, and, and what it is that we're doing. It. And I should also add, I forgot to mention this, to bury the lead, um, last week, Reverend Otten and I did a, uh, a, a pulpit swap. Uh, she came and gave a sermon at Temple at Taim on Friday night, and I came and gave one at uh, the Franklin Federated Church on Sunday, and our people were exce- exceedingly happy about this and really enjoyed it, uh, and uh, so I can say that much, uh, and uh, that's me. That has to be uh, really neat for not just the two of you, but for all your congregants. Yeah. Did you hear me say that word? Pandora? I did. Thank I. You. I- yeah. Very impressed. Thank you. Uh, I did, and I'm going to try to use collegiality at some point in this <laughs> conversation today. But uh, it, it's got to be really tremendous for uh, the people in both your congregations. Uh, what what a neat thing, Rabbi. How long have you been doing that? Well, um, I've done the. I did. I've done it at different points with different clergy in town. This mm. is the first year that. The Federated Church and I and Temple at Taim have done it, uh, I think largely because it's the first year that uh, Reverend Otten has been there. And, yeah. uh, so it, it's fun. That's great. That really is. It is. I, I like just the sense of sharing and, and uh, exchanges among and between the different houses of worship. Reverend Otten, do you want to... Give us an update on yes. the Federated? And, and uh, I have to think that your <clears throat> congregation... Uh, enjoy the exchange yes, as well. Yes, so much. They are already uh, planning monthly forums for you. <laughs> <laughs> they they just were so moved and inspired by the message. And the congregations have a history, um, a connection that just was so warmly expressed to me when I was visiting the temple and, and that a bunch of parishioners from, from Tom's congregation came to the Sunday worship service and someone even brought food for the coffee hour. I mean, they just said, they said, this is our second home. We feel very comfortable here. You're, you know, there's, there's a strong connection and I just feel so grateful to be, to enter into a, a place where we're, that's so welcoming. Let's see what else is going on at Franklin Federated. Our thrift shop hours are changing because we want to coincide with the farmer's market. So once the farmer's market opens, we'll be open Saturday late afternoons. I think it's 3 to 6. And then we'll continue to be open on fr- on Saturdays from 9 to 1. And the thrift shop's been doing very well. We have an event this coming Sunday, which is May 21st, of my official installation as the pastor and teacher at Franklin Federated Church. So Franklin Federated is, Federation means there's two denominations that are affiliated. So there's the United Church of Christ, and that's the denomination in which I hold my ordination, and then the American Baptist Church. So they have different ways of installing. In the in the UCC, people come from the association and do the ritual. And in the Baptist Church, it's uh, congregational-led. So... So I, I created a little hybrid ceremony. But there'll be, you know, other clergy coming, 
processing, a little bit of ceremony. Uh, Everyone is welcome. It's at 3 p.m. at Franklin Federated Church on Sunday. Anyone is welcome, and I would love to have people there. There's a little reception to follow. What else do I want to talk about? So in the summer, I'm taking some time off, and so is our musician. And so we're trying to think of how to be creative with worship, a little bit outside the box. We don't. The sanctuary can get hot in the summer, too. So we're thinking about, do we have services outside sometimes? Do we go downstairs in the, to the dining room in the basement where it's a little bit cooler? We're not tied to what the musician can do. Um, and so we're just... We're going to actually close our doors for two Sundays, the holiday weekend. I think it's July 2nd. And I have a pre-recorded worship service put out by the conference, the Southern New England Conference of the United Church of Christ, that talks about how the spirit moves. And it's diff- it's set in different settings. So my hope is that people will watch that and get some ideas about what it means to worship or be a church outside the box. And then the next week after the church is closed, people will come together and we'll have breakfast church. So they'll just have a meal together and talk about what they learned and what they're thinking about. Uh, So those will be two of the Sundays I'm gone. And then one of the Sundays I'm gone will be closed the last Sunday in August. And we're going to call that Visitation Sunday. And we're going to send people out to go visit other congregations, other churches, other houses of worships, and learn what they can about how other churches welcome people, how they do things, and what ideas we might borrow. Like, I love that, reading the children's <laughs> Bible. That might, I might incorporate some of that into the summer worship. And then again, come together the next week, the Labor Day weekend, and have breakfast together and talk about where the Spirit is leading us. So I'm excited about some of those changes. That all sounds very collegial. <laughs> It does, and welcoming, and the Federated Church, too, for those that don't know, it's located right across from the town common by on the high street end of the town common. And, and I like the idea of uh, that you've shared that you're going to pair the thrift store hours with the farmer's market when it opens, and I believe it's Friday the 2nd of June, yes. which is also high school graduation. It's, it's a busy day on the town common, but that that will give some different opportunities because um, of just the proximity of your church to the town common, all the people, and and people needing to be there and looking for resources. And that um, proximity is going to be helpful on Pride Day, which is, I think, June 25th, the, set, the last mm-hmm. Saturday right. in June. Yes. They've asked, can we open our, our church for sanctuary for people who just might be feeling overwhelmed by the events and need a place to retreat to, to use the bathrooms, you know, although they're encouraging people to use the library bathrooms, but we'll be open and again using using that using our church as a community meeting place. Before we um, move past kind of things that are going on, I want to uh, mention a collegial opportunity that is <laughs> <laughs> happening post the recording of this uh, podcast. Although probably will have been done by the time uh, it airs, but needs. Uh, to be mentioned anyway, and that is on Sunday, May 21st. The Franklin Interfaith Council is having their Voices of Faith concert. It will be held at the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints facility, which is on Jordan Road. It is an opportunity for most of the communities that are part of the Interfaith Council to come together and share music from their tradition is an opportunity for us to simply gather and enjoy the, the nice cultural gifts that come from each of our traditions. So um, please do 
uh, if if you're available, come to the Voices of Faith concert. I think it's 91 Jordan Road. It's on Jordan Road, uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and the concert begins at 7 p.m. And uh, people can find information for that the at e- the Interfaith website, and if you could remind us all. The easiest place to find it uh, is actually on the Interfaith Council's Facebook page, uh, but you should be able to land there by going to the website, and I know that that's circuitous, uh, but you'll get there, I promise. The website is franklininterfaith.org. I believe that the Facebook page is actually facebook.com slash franklininterfaith, but I'm not 100% positive on that. I think you may be right. Or you something just... like that, yeah. But you can get to it off the, the Interfaith Council's website for right. sure. And I've seen it other places. It's been post, uh, posted throughout Franklin for the last several weeks. Mm-hmm. And so it is open to all. And that's a nice way to do it. It, it. It's good music. And isn't this the same choir, some of the people who sing at Thanksgiving? Yes. So if you're familiar with that. It's much well, smaller it, this time. Oh. Well, but, but the other but, thing yes. is that in addition to, that's the interfaith choir. In addition, each particular house of worship will have people, it will have a choir of some sort or the other uh, involved. So that's why it's Voices of Faith. Thank you. That's It's even more. That sounds like a really neat event. Should be uh, very much an enjoyable time. And is it something people have to sign up for? No. Can just show, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. It's that, a beautiful and comfortable hall. It's it a is. Nice oh, yes. Setting. Yeah. Yes. A very nice setting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. That's great. Good for you folks. And Rabbi, will you be uh, singing or playing an instrument not if, not if not if anyone has any brains no <laughs> not if you I, want to I, keep but them i will there. be but you? i will i will be listening and involved doreen reverend Auten, will be singing i will be singing with the interfaith choir oh oh yes. that's awesome is it kind of is it going to have like the uh, king charles pomp and circumstance Yes. Uh, yes so people yes. people that are are feeling a little royal withdrawal could come to your installation and get rejuvenated with all that, correct? In, in a similar type concert after the coronation, if you will. No, we won't. Yeah, well, for the voices of faith, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. Look out! Look for her gold mm-hmm. carriage. Uh, <laughs> oh my goodness! And a crown that looked like it was going to fall off his head. So, well, that's that's great that we have royalty here. Um, <laughs> That was not something I realized earlier today. No, no, it was unexpected. We will move on now, I think, if everybody's fine with that, with our uh, focused conversation. Uh, This is when we all talk about, I shouldn't say we all, we all, except for Pandora and I, talk about (laughs) something that's that's on the minds of uh, our faith leaders and maybe each of their respective communities or their congregants. And this week or this month, we're going to talk about a very light subject, actually. What happens after we die? So that should be interesting. I, I'm going to move right on from that and have uh, Reverend Jacob kind of, <laughs> I know, as he is like, why does Jay always come to me first? Uh, kind of lead us off. What was the goal in when you folks 
chose this as a subject. Well, I'm actually going to defer then to Tom. Um, This is a conversation mm -hmm. that we had talked about having, but Tom helped spearhead the discussion guide for today, and I will defer to him. For one, there are two things. One, it's a topic that everyone at some point has thought about. And so I think it's helpful to hear to hear different approaches. People think either there are one, maybe two options. There are lots of different ways of thinking about this. And I think that just helps people deal with a topic that's important to them. The other reason is that anytime you talk about what happens after you die, one of the reasons you do it is it talks about how to live. And so that is you know, central to what we're trying to do and to sort of raise that up as a and have people be aware of that, I think is also useful. So those were the major thing. Those were, at least in my mind, uh, things I was thinking of. I will defer to my colleagues if there's anything I missed or they disagree with. Well, let's start by going around the table and we will not start with Pastor Jacob. Why don't we go over to the soon to be crowned (laughs) (laughs) Reverend Doreen and you can what is your faith also I wonder how much of your upbringing has influenced kind of what you think and it's interesting that you have two different religious groups or faiths at your your building do those have different or conflicting thoughts well I would say in all they're both Christian and so Christianity has a a, a broad spectrum, and, and it's one area, I think, where they have appropriate humility, where we don't really know what happens after a person dies. But certainly, the promise of um, an eternal life of some sort, that there is something that comes after, that it involves some sort of um, reconciliation or oneness with God, a good thing, right, that, that awaits us, is an important part of it. And certainly, Christian funerals will focus on that, that hope and that promise that there is something more, that that when this mortal life ends, that's not the end. But as to what that looks like, there's a lot of uh, differences. And I would say they're not so much between denominations. It's not that the UCC say this and the Baptists say this. It's there's just a lot of wondering as there is with any any faith or any individual, any any group of people. And I turned to Jacob for the scholarly. (laughs) I thought he's probably going to read his theology books, and I'm not going to do that. (laughs) I well, I will. I do have a book I would recommend for those coming from Christian background. I actually preached uh, several months ago on this very topic, and what I think many in my congregation were surprised to believe is exactly what. Uh, Reverend Doreen said, in the Christian and Hebrew scriptures, there are several different descriptions of what come after death, and they often conflict with each other quite severely in in what they suppose will will happen. And there's a great book uh, that I based that series off of. Uh, it's called Heaven and Hell, A History of the Afterlife um, by Bart Ehrman, and it attempts to go through these different and evolving, I mean, which is really the best way to think about it, an evolving understanding of what happens after after death. You know, when we close our eyes for the last time here on earth, do we open them in some ethereal afterlife or do we go to some 
grayish holding cell where everyone goes, whether they're good or bad, and is there some sort of redemption afterwards, or is it immediate? Is there an eternal hell, or is hell something you live into now, and it is, as Jesus would describe, a burning up in the fire, and that's it, a burning up and it's over. Um, there are lots of different ways to, to, to perceive all of that, and I, I would agree with Rabbi Tom. I think it is helpful for people who often think it's a binary choice, or at least there's one thing that's going to happen after death, to hear that our traditions have a broad spectrum of understandings or hopes may be a better way of putting it, uh, of, of what happens at, after death. And we don't often realize that all those different ideas are out there because of, as you say, Jay, maybe we were raised in a specific tradition that believed when you die, you enter through the pearly gates and walk down streets of gold. And that is one of perhaps several understandings that, that exist within our tradition and are valid. It, it is, as both you said, Reverend Jacob, I believe you used the word theory or in discussing it, because as you said, Doreen, none of us know. You know, we you hear stories about people that come close and you, the seeing of the white light or whatever, but it, no one knows what that final step is. Uh, Rabbi Tom. Well, yes, as, as Shakespeare eloquently put it, who the heck knows? Uh, <laughs> all right, he said, the undiscovered country from whose born no traveler returns, but whatever. You know, talk about growing up. When I grew up uh, and uh, most uh, Jewish kids from uh, from a non-orthodox background had, I think, a similar experience when the question is, um, uh, you know, what happens after we die? We said, well, Christians believe in resurrection, but we Jews focus on the life in this world. Yeah, but that's it's way more complicated than that. So I'll recommend a book, and I've taught a multi-part course on this. I'm trying to make sure I keep myself in control today. Uh, but it is by Neil Gilman, the late Neil Gilman, G-I-L-L-M-A-N, called The Death of Death, uh, Resurrection and Immortality in Jewish Thought. So Neil Gilman, The Death of Death. We start with the idea that in traditional normative Judaism, you know, before the... Reform and conservatives started questioning some things, but for a long time, the rabbinic assumption was resurrection is a central part of Judaism. Resurrection and, immortal and the immortality of the soul, they are basic, they are a core constituent of Jewish thought, um, which would have surprised most of the writers of the Hebrew Bible who assumed that what happened after you die is you just die and you go to some place called Sheol, which I thought uh, Reverend uh, Yunker's description is this sort of shadowy gray place is a good description where basically you didn't come out and uh, I mean there's a story of uh, King Saul getting Samuel to come out and Samuel's just grumpy because he's being bothered because he wants to go back down there and be left alone. So throughout the Hebrew Bible basically that's what happened until you get to the, well a potentially interesting text in Isaiah but more significantly the book of Daniel which very very late biblical book which starts talking about the possibility of resurrection. You jump a couple of centuries later, because we don't have too much between then, and you get to uh, 
the rabbinic text, the Mishnah, which says anyone who denies not just that resurrection happens, but that it is written in the Torah, which is not written in the Torah, anyone who denies that will not share in the world to come. Okay, so it's now become, you got to believe this. The in-between period, which is the Pharisees, which is around the time of Jesus and all, and all of that is a whole fascinating discussion. But whatever. Uh, resurrection was standard. Later on, the mystics came up with the idea of reincarnation of souls so that you go from one soul to another until you, you finally hmm. get out of all that and get close to God. By the way, what happens to the souls while they're sitting up there, while they're, they've left our bodies is another really interesting question. Judaism has very, very little description of a heaven, but there is a sense there is one. It has even less description of a hell, except that it is not a long-term place. It's, you know, there for a while. Um, but there's very, you know, just we know that there's something. So then you get to the modern age and people start rejecting a lot of this and they say, well, maybe, all right, resurrection, we don't buy it. Uh, immortality of the soul, yeah, maybe. Or maybe we just live on in memory. So all of those, resurrection, immortality of the soul, live on in memory, uh, reincarnation, nothing, all those are options within Judaism. And, um, you know, is the... Uh, as the great sage once put it, you pay your money and you take your choice as to which one you believe. I would just, I think it's important for our hearers to understand that, you know, Christian thought on what happens in the afterlife is built on the Jewish thought. Yeah. <laughs> Jewish thought. And so there isn't a whole lot of, of, of difference in that. I would suggest that in contemporary Christian thought, where you get some divergence, of what happens in the afterlife is, is, is the afterlife an escape from this world? That is, the soul, it's a weird way to think about it, but does it somehow detach from the body and go up into a heaven to forever be with God uh, and never ever to return? Or, and or is a bad word, but the other prevailing thought would be, no, the soul doesn't detach forever, but will come back. And uh, just like Jesus was resurrected in his physical body, uh, so too the soul will return to the body. And that is where the live forever with God will, will happen. So this kind of detachment from the real world now, is, an, is, is after death an escape? Or do we return back to where the soul found, you know, took its first breath? Uh, and and that is talked about in a bunch of different ways in all the songs we sing in Christian worship uh, and the, the images that many of us think of. And I don't wish I had the answer. I mean, some, I could say I wish I had the answer, but I don't. And I don't want to. I would prefer it to be a mystery, um, quite honestly. But leading into the next question, whether one thinks death is an escape from this world or we return to it definitely impacts the way one lives one's life now and even how one treats one's body now. And and so if you think you're going to escape this world, then the world be damned. I can do what I want and it'll surely impact other generations, which I have some 
you know, mind for, but in the end, it doesn't really matter. I'm leaving this place, right? If you think that you're coming back, then you may tend to think you need to keep better care of what is here because you're going to have to live with the decisions you make now for eternity. And on the flip side or the positive side of that, to me, it is, I think it helps me live less selfishly when I realize that this mortal coil is not the, is not the essence of who I am, that there's something that's going to survive beyond that, that's more important than that. So I don't have to grab everything right now for this being. And still, right, the soul is housed in this temple, so to speak, right? So, so there is an investment in caring for it, but, but there's also an able, ability to let it go that feels important. Another thing I, in Judaism that I want to bring out is that, and I talked about resurrection, the, the Jewish sense, what does that mean? What that means in traditional understanding is that everyone will get resurrected the Jews will at least get resurrected, and as will many other people, but the Jews will then go to um, Jerusalem, they will rebuild the temple, and they will worship God there, and they will study Torah. So Jewish idea of heaven, the perfect life is you get to study all the time. I'm kind of, I'm sort of cool <laughs> with that. But, but the notion is that it is collective. Um, and so in terms of how we live our lives, I think um, that's another important part. If you think of death and the after and what happens afterwards is having to do not just with me as a person but with me as part of a community, uh, then it will say that um, my life on this earth cannot be lived alone. It has to be lived in community. That is a similar vision to what uh, John would see in his revelation at the end of the Christian scriptures where it's in Revelation, uh, I believe, chapter 21, God... Um, God will make God's home with God's people once again. They'll be back together. It's a communal act of, uh, of, being, of being with. Once again, I like the thread uh, of the discussion. You talked about all these different visions that, that people have of what happens after we die. But the idea of the, that we don't do this alone, that it's looking at how we live our lives with others and... Is that the thread that is helpful in your congregations? How, how do you use your thinking about this in, with your respective congregations, the um, death and life? I think one of the most beautiful uh, images I use with my congregation, and it is not used at the funeral service but on a typical communion service, is the idea that uh, when we participate in the sacrament of Holy Communion, that is an act that draws us together as the body who is physically present with one another and sharing bread and cup, but that also through a, a complete mystery that that table from which we share together is extended to all of those who have gone before and all of those who have gone after. Uh, and so the life we lead now is connected to all those who have preceded us, uh, back to this kind of commu communal under understanding. And so when we celebrate that sacrament, it is a drawing together of all Christians throughout place and time in a single act that has bound us together, arguably from the beginning and through eternity. Uh, and I think that's a beautiful 
for me, that's a beautiful symbol of the hope spoken to after death, but also this I- idea that we, we're still together even though we are physically apart and death has separated us. I am a, I don't know if you noticed, Pandora, or you, Pastor Jacob, when you were speaking and you brought up the possibility of coming back into the body we're in now, I've stopped thinking about everything else. Man, I'm in trouble. <laughs> yeah, I wish I had known that before. COVID and I would have done so many things different. Um, I, I'm curious as to what, and this is a big two-parter question, uh, how you talk about death and dying within each of your communities. But then I would like to add, because this has always been something that I have thought about and had discussion with maybe my parents about. There are at least one or two religions that I know of that think, or maybe they don't anymore, but at one point the thought process was when you pass, you're a member of that religion, and if not, you're in trouble. You know, I'm curious as to what the thought to that is because— it is, I think, a, at least for me, a challenging way to think when everybody you're friends with and even family members are involved with different religions, different faiths. They practice things different than within the same religion. There's different levels of commitment. There's different levels of practice. So uh, just curious, obviously, your own community first and then the, the broader picture. Well, let me actually let me talk about the broader picture because it's an well, I'll talk about both. The Jewish understand the traditional Jewish understanding that uh, you know, you will have eternal life uh, applied to the Jewish people um, with and there were always a few exceptions for basically people who were really complete jerks, uh, depending on whoever the rabbis decided was complete jerk <laughs> at the moment. Um, and since you know we don't have a single rulemaking authority, it, you know the list is long. But most people, it's basically everybody gets there. Now, as for the folks who aren't Jewish, the uh, rabbis came up with this concept of the children of Noah which if you remember the biblical story basically means everybody on earth, right? The children of Noah and said that there are certain laws. Jews uh, in Jewish tradition are obligated to maintain 613 commandments, which is a lot of commandments. Um, We can talk about that another time. Um, (laughs) But uh, the children of Noah are obligated to observe seven. Seven's a great number. Um, And Essentially, one of them is given to the children of Noah, which is you're not supposed to eat flesh from a living being. This is, most people are fairly comfortable with not trying to like break off a, a leg from a live animal and start eating it. So I'm, I'm not, you're not too worried about that. The other six are essentially all be good laws. The classic, you know, you're supposed to have, you can't murder, you can't steal, you uh, have to set up, uh, have to have a some kind of system of justice to make sure that the strong don't take care, don't oppress the weak, okay? Once you've done those, then everyone who is one of the children of Noah earns a place in the world to come or the time to come, depending on how you read the text, but whatever. So basically, if you're a good person, you're going to be fine. 
you're a bad person, like, you know, goes around eating limbs off of living beings and, you know, can't do much for you. <laughs> One of my favorite stories in this line, Jay, is was in a book called uh, Here If You Need Me by Kate Braystrap, who is a, a Unitarian minister. And she was explaining to her children the idea of the, the Christian heaven, that if you believe the right thing, you get in, and if you don't believe the right thing, you can't get in. And her child said something like, but if you're following Jesus, wouldn't you give your spot to someone who couldn't get in? And I, I just thought that was so beautiful. And my idea of a God who would condemn anyone for eternity is just way too small a God for me to worship or appreciate that we impose our ideas about justice on a higher power, which doesn't make any sense to me. So when I talk about that, that's, that's, that's how I talk about it, is that our God is more merciful and more loving than we can even imagine. We parent our own children with the idea that we always want them to do better. We might have to set boundaries. We might even have to kick them out or whatever it is for a time. But whenever mm-hmm. they can come back, we want them back. And I believe it's the same for God, that, that the door is always open, so to speak. I've always... Uh thought and have typically found it to be true that for those individuals or groups who believe in eternal damnation usually have people that they will put there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and not to say that isn't what happens, we don't know, but I think typically that is truth. For those individuals or groups that believe in a hell, they know people who are going to be there. For me, uh, the jury's still out. The only thing I think I can speak to some certainty about uh, and is this, that I do think God holds us accountable to responding to God's love, but the opportunity is eternal to do so. Uh, and there's a I was racking my brain while Rabbi Tom and Reverend Doreen were speaking to try and remember uh, his name, and I cannot remember it for the life of me right now. But... Um, there's a Catholic theologian who essentially says in, in, in the creeds, we talk about Jesus descending into hell. And um, this specific theologian says Jesus had to do that so that even those who had denied God's love, which is the epitome of what hell is in my idea, the denial of God's love, uh, for even those who have denied God's love, they have the opportunity to turn for God is right there by their side. And so I am not a universalist. My tradition does not believe in everyone's going to be saved and everything's going to be okay in the end. Um, But the fact that things are not okay isn't because God hasn't tried to make it okay. It is that people have perpetually denied the God who is standing right beside them the whole way. So um, that's how I often and think of it. And in Judaism too, the belief is that is that hell is a is a temporary place. It's you know there's no one so bad that they have to live there forever. It's an interesting concept. But the uh, I said that Judaism doesn't say much about what heaven and hell is, but it does have one little uh, text I, I want to share, which is um, a story of someone who goes in and uh, sees um, everybody in hell. And 
there's food out in and they have th their arms are basically held and they cannot bring the food to themselves and they go up to heaven and they see there's food out and everyone's arms are held and they can't bring the food out to themselves but in heaven they're taking the food and they're giving it to other people and that seems to me as good a definition of heaven and hell as I could think of. Listening to all three of you speak, I think it for some people it's comforting. Other people it brings up other questions. I, I One of the things that uh, when Pastor Jacob was speaking, first of all, Reverend Doreen, you know, that, that the good people, if you do good, you're in good shape. And then it, it gets me to think, again, there are, again, I don't know if it's entire faiths or it's just faith, certain faith leaders that will tell you or that I've heard for years, you know, you, you're all set. You, you could have been the biggest clown your entire life, the biggest jerk, but right before death, you apologize, whatever you... You, you accept religion, you accept God, you accept Jesus, and you're fine. It kind of, you know, it, thoughts like that. I, I'm just curious, and, and I know we're running out of time. We could do this for the next week, talk about this, but how you folks would address something like that, and you have seven seconds to answer. <laughs> Go ahead, in Rabbi. Ju in Judaism, <laughs> the idea is that as long as you're here, you can always repent. You can always try to fix what you've done wrong. But it does not happen instantaneously. There's a whole process um, that includes making it right with the person that you've hurt. And if you haven't done that, you have just not succeeded at it. I think one of the changes, this is a personal, not necessarily a Christian view, but I, I think that what happens with death is that there's a change in our perception and awareness in our consciousness. And so all the the petty wishes for vengeance that someone won't get into heaven because they've been a bad person or they, the personal slights and hurts, that it's easier to let go of that and see the beauty of the soul beneath it so that that's where the change happens. I, I think that that's a good note to kind of wrap up the conversation. Uh, you all have given us a lot to think about, and I think that we around this table and the listeners of the podcast are all at different steps on the journey. And we bring this in, we think about it, how we live our lives, and, and we make decisions. You've shared with us different books that we can reach out and, and use and think about and reminded us of scripture that we may have been familiar with at, at, at a point in our life. And to Jay's questions, all of us are at different stages in our journey, and we've had younger stages and older stages, and you've given us all so much to think about. Does that make sense, Jay? It, it absolutely makes sense. Yeah, it, it is. I enjoy or am intrigued mm -hmm. always at discussions like this. Yes. And not to just people that are listening to this, Pandora and I are just kind of saying, we keep looking at each other, we nod our heads like, oh, I'd like that. That's yeah. it, It's such an interesting discussion. 
I just want to say one thing. One of the uh, outline questions that was suggested was, how do we talk to our congregations about that? And my response was, how do I listen to my congregation around mm. that? And that's so important to to hear what other people are yeah. thinking when the, when a loved one is dying or when they're facing their own mortality. What do they think is going to happen? I, these conversations are just so life-giving, I think, to me and to the other person. So that's what I want is less me talking about it and more listening about it. Very good. Before we end our show, we always have a spiritual focus to kind of bring us together on, on one thought. And um, Reverend Jacob is going to lead us in the spiritual focus. I wanted to make one general comment before doing the devotion. It leads into the devotion. Uh, and that is, it has been my experience in my celebrating my 15th year of full-time mm. ministry that marking death in a community is becoming less and less common. Uh, and what I mean by that is funeral services and or, and or funeral rites, whether they be in a church or a funeral home, are becoming less and less common. And I think that that is, to, uh, that is detrimental, mostly because funeral services and rites mark the occasion of the death and allow one to grieve and begin the grieving process. And we need that as human beings, regardless of one's faith faith tradition, regardless of whether that rite is, happens in a community of faith or house of worship or in the funeral home or at the graveside or in a, in a bar, where, wherever. Those rites and rituals need, need to happen. I was watching uh, Facebook Reels, and um, I ran across an interview that Stephen Colbert was doing with Keanu, Keanu Reeves. And Stephen Colbert asked Keanu Reeves, what happens after death? And Keanu took a deep breath and thought for a minute. And it was meant to be a stump question that he wouldn't have a good answer for. And so you could see Stephen kind of give him this wry look. And Keanu finally opens his mouth and he goes, the one thing I know for sure, and I'm paraphrasing, he says, the one thing I know for sure is that the people still here will grieve. And Colbert's mouth opens wide. <laughs> <laughs> and he stood up and shook his hand. <laughs> and I think, you know, whatever we may think happens to us after death, those who remain will grieve. And so I wanted to offer a prayer to end us uh, from our service of death and resurrection. And I'm going to modify it because it's a, a, a general prayer. This would normally be said for the specific in individual um, but um, let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for those we love, but see no more. Receive them into your arms and grant that increasing in knowledge and love of you, they may grow from strength to strength in service to your heavenly kingdom. Eternal God, you have so shared with us the life of those who've gone before. Before they were ours, they were always yours. For all of them that is given that has given us to make us what we are, for that of them which lives and grows in each of us, and for their life that in your love will never end, we give you thanks. O oh God, comfort us in our loneliness, strengthen us in our weakness, and give us courage to face the future unafraid. Draw those of us who remain in this life closer to one another, make us faithful to serve one another, and give us to know that peace and joy which is eternal life. Amen. 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 That was great. It was. 
I probably say this every month, but it it just it continues to amaze me what we're able to talk about, the depth that we're able to hear about it from our faith leaders. I think we are we've been. I'll speak for myself, but I think I've been so fortunate to be a part of this and to just be here as you folks are are discussing it and thinking about it. It's it, it's just it's really cool to me. I think I agree with you, and and I like the opportunity to learn, mm. and um, that's so important uh, as part of our lives. But to learn all about you often have faith specific readings or stories, and it helps our greater understanding not only of our personal lives but of the lives of the community. It's it's really a good thing, and so I we're going to bring this podcast to a close. And I thank Reverend Doreen Auten, Pastor Jacob Yunker, and Rabbi Tom Alpert for leading this conversation, for sharing your knowledge, for meeting us on our journey, and that we've all learned from it. Many thanks to Keith Palmieri, who is our technician and makes it possible for others to hear us. And joining us today, we have Taylor Tremblay, who is an intern from Dean College and sitting in, um, and she's interning here at Franklin TV and Radio, and always Jay Horgan and I, we thank you. Lucky enough, as you said, Pandora, to be able to learn today and, and every month when we do this, just so people understand, there are three books on the table we're meeting around, and it struck me that... That's the closest I've been to three books uh, <laughs> since probably seventh grade. And it's two more books than I actually bought in college. Uh, so it's great. I feel even that much more intelligent now that we're done. But uh, again, if you want to find out what's going on at the local congregations, uh, you can go to the Interfaith, the FranklinInterfaith.org website. website or the Franklin Interfaith Facebook page where you can get a, a ton of information. So it, this, is, this has been another interesting, thought-provoking uh, episode of this Franklin Faith Forum. So thank you to everybody. And I think, Keith, that'll do it for us, right? All right, we'll see you hopefully next month. And just to let you all know, we have created a email address, franklinfaithforum at gmail.com. Dot com Again, franklinfaithforum at gmail.com. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, topic, ideas, anything, if you want to talk about baseball, Rabbi Tom would be all over that. So again, franklinfaithforum at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Thank you. Thank you.